The reading today is taken from Ephesians 4, 17 through to 5, 1. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of, God's, of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unknown, unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not, give, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly beloved children. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Joan, uh, for your reading, and Mary for your prayers. Why don't we pray again together? Come, Holy Spirit. May the words that I speak that be of you speak into our hearts, and may the others fall to the ground. In Jesus' name, amen. A few months ago, I was walking my youngest son to school, and we were slightly against the clock, but I've always prided myself on my punctuality of getting the kids um, to school. So we were walking briskly up the road. He was dressed in his uniform, ready for a day at school. One of his friends at the top of the road shouted, Hi, Jesse. And I looked at this boy and thought, hmm, he's wearing trainers and a tracksuit. That's interesting. I noticed then other brightly dressed children making their way into school. And I realised, oh, the email I hadn't read obviously said it was non-school uniform today. Now, I faced a dilemma here. Tarnish my wonderful punctuality record or um, send, and, and send, a, or send a 10-year-old boy into school um, wearing scratchy grey flannel trousers when he could be um, in his own choice of clothes. There was only one option, wasn't there? Um, 
my pride. No, no. We, we turned around, raced back down the road, and in a Superman-worthy um, clothes exchange, uh, managed to get up the road in time, him wearing um, his choice of clothes um, that he wanted to wear that day. Now, this image of taking off the wrong clothes and putting on the right ones is one that Paul uses today in this letter to Ephesians to talk about what the Christian life is like. Paul encourages us in this passage to take off the scratchy old grey trousers and to put on the vibrant new clothes that speak of and represent our true selves, our new selves in Christ. What Paul is saying in this passage is that what we wear indicates who we are. That the way we live, the way we behave, reveals our true identity and hopefully speaks of who we are in Christ. And we're going to be looking in some detail at this passage. So if you've got a Bible to hand, um, do grab it or have it up on your phones. I'll assume you're doing that rather than uh, tweeting. Um, So uh, you can look at this passage uh, with me uh, this morning. Paul begins in in verse 17 by contrasting two ways of life. He contrasts the pagan way of life um, with the Christian way of life. Now, I think it's um, important we note at the beginning of this um, talk that Paul here is speaking in general terms. He's not saying, oh, every pagan is really rotten and evil, and therefore, you know, it's a good excuse for you to be able to be judgmental. There's never any place for that as Christians. But he's saying there's a way of life that is connected to God. And there's a way of life that is not connected to God. And the behavior that we have demonstrates whether our lives are connected to God or not. In verse 20, Paul says, You, however, after describing this way of life that is given over to um, personal desire and disconnection from God. He says, you, however, it's one of those cases in the Bible where it's always the little words that actually are the most significant. Saying, you, however, are different. There is a different way. This isn't you. That doesn't describe you. You are in Christ. And there's that verse um, in in 23, and I think it might come up um, on the screen, that um, we've heard in the prayers and in some of the words today. Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in righteousness Unholiness. The Ephesians had been taught that becoming a Christian involves a radical change. It's what we might talk of as conversion. It involves this putting off the old self, taking off the old clothes and putting on the new. And whilst this is a one-off transformation that God in Christ does for us, the miracle of new life and new birth, It is nevertheless something that we need to be continually renewed in, in our lives. There is a continual and daily dying of self and giving ourselves to Christ that goes on. And in this passage, Paul lists four pieces of old clothing 
that we are to shed and four items of new clothing that we are to put on. Now, it's not that Paul is saying these items of clothing are what make you a Christian. No, they aren't what earn us favour with God, but they are what reveal the work that God has done in our life. They are what demonstrates this gift of new life that we have been given. And I kind of love how practical scripture is sometimes, don't you? I mean, I almost thought I'll just stand up and read this passage because, you know, it, it, it just says do this and don't do this. Sometimes the Christian life is, is, that, is that sort of clear cut. We often make it so complicated. But here Paul just gets to the nitty gritty. This is what it looks like in your day-to-day life. There are behaviours you should avoid and there are attitudes that you should pick up. It's that simple. And today we're going to dig into those kind of four broad areas um, that Paul speaks about. But before we do that, I want us to note kind of three things that are general about all of these things, all of these new attitudes and old attitudes um, that Paul is referring to. And the first thing um, is that they concern us together and not us alone. Now think about some of the slogans in our culture today that are the kind of mantras that we are encouraged um, to live by. That, you know, live your best life. You live your best life. You do you. Don't worry about others. You focus on you. Treat yourself or treat yourself, but I'm really not cool enough to say that. And if my kids are watching, that will be a complete no-no. So treat yourself. You know, you deserve it. Society tells us that we are the most important person, that you are the most important person, that happiness and your own personal pursuit of happiness is what matters. Let's not hurt others along the way. You know, we don't want to do that, but let's pursue our own happiness. If I look after myself and you look after yourself and we don't try to upset anyone, we will be okay. So self-sufficiency is prized Your own personal uniqueness is celebrated. Autonomy is cherished and independence is the goal. This is the individualistic mindset that has schooled um, those of us in Britain, in the West, for the last two or three hundred years. You live your best life. One of the things I loved most about our time in Uganda as a family was this sense of community mindset. It wasn't about you as an individual, but it was always we, us together. We are not unconnected people. We are not each individuals finding our own best way through this life. We have been born into a new family. Think back to what Jenny was speaking to us about last week and the unity There is one body. There is one spirit. We are connected people because of Christ. And if you look at each of these put off and put on um, that Paul lists in this passage, you'll notice that they're all about one another. Put off falsehood and speak the truth. Why? Because we are one body in verse 25. Verse 26, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Because it's bad for me? No, because it gives the devil a foothold into our relationships. Stop stealing and work. Why? So you have something to give 
others. Stop bad-mouthing. Why? It doesn't build people up. It's all about the other. It's not about us and ourselves and our own personal purity. Of course that's important. But it's about one another. We are together, not alone. And unity is unashamedly practical. It's all one well and good having a vision of unity, but what does it mean in practice? It's about what we say. It's about what we do. It's about how we treat one another. We are together, not alone, in this journey. Second and thirdly, and a bit more briefly, features of this taking, um, uh, taking off and putting on. It's about positive Um, things and not just negative. They all involve something that's to be taken off and something that's to be put on. Being a Christian isn't just about avoiding bad behaviours. You sometimes hear that impression, don't you? Oh, being a Christian means you can't do this, you can't do this, as if the Christian life is all about restriction and maybe sort of just withdrawing from the world is, is the easiest way. It might be helpful to do that from time to time. But the Christian life is about taking things off, but also putting things on. There's a stance of positive engagement with one another in the world. We're to clothe ourselves with kindness, with compassion, with activities um, and character that drives us outwards, um, attitudes and character into the world. It's a proactive way of living, not a restrictive one. And thirdly, The call um, to be a Christian that Paul demonstrates in these um, four attitudes demonstrate that the Christian life is not just about words, but about actions. Being a Christian is about what we believe. It's about believing in Jesus, believing that he rose from the dead. But it is not just about believing. It's about how we act. And those two things are to go hand in hand in our lives. Ethics and doctrine go hand in hand as Christians. What we believe and what we do go hand in hand. I was once on the train going to Cardiff. Um, And it was a long journey, um, and I got on the train and was really disappointed that I couldn't get a seat. Um, So I was standing in that little bit, sort of no man's land between the um, two carriages, um, and and thought, gosh, I'm going to have to stand here for, you know, three or four hour journey. Um, Another guy gets on, and um, he too can't find a seat. And so we're standing in this, um, sort of the end of the carriage, and we get talking, and we're chatting about what we're doing for the weekend. And he tells me, um, we talk about our work, and I say, what do you do? And he tells me he's a fraud investigator. Very interesting, never met a fraud investigator before. Um, So, uh, you know, we have an interesting chat. A few minutes later, um, I notice the um, guard coming down uh, the corridor saying, tickets, please. So I I reach down into my wallet to get out my tickets. um, And I notice the gentleman I'm just talking to has suddenly disappeared. Um, And he's crept into the, the toilet. And through the crack in the door, he just goes, shh. Well... Any respect I had for him as a fraud investigator went right out of the window at that point. Brothers and sisters, we are called to a synthesis between what we say 
between what we believe and how we live. And it's a struggle and it's a challenge and we will get it wrong. But by the grace of God, that is what we are called to. And it is what he gives us, his Holy Spirit, to enable us to do. So, let's get practical for the last bit of this talk. Let's look at what does this mean in practice, this shaking off the old and putting on the new. And I'm going to draw out just these four very practical ways that we can seek to live this new life, that we can seek to dress ourselves in the clothes that reveal our identity in Christ. The first is we are to take off lying and put on truth-telling. A friend of mine was taking her children to um, her mother's for the day, and the grandma was known as being a pretty terrible cook. Um, And so she said to the kids, look, grandma will have gone to a lot of effort. Even if you don't like it, please just do your best and eat it. So they're sitting there at the start of the meal, um, and the daughter is um, asked by grandma to say grace. So she closes her eyes and says, dear God, thank you for this time at grandma's. Thank you for this food, and even though it's disgusting, I am going to eat it. Well, there might be times, maybe, where saying nothing at all is better than speaking the truth. But Paul says, put off falsehood and speak the truth. But surely a little white lie never hurt anybody. Isn't that what we hear? But what reason does Paul give? Let's speak the truth because... We are members of one body. Or, as one translation says, we are members of one another. Because we're connected to one another. Because we're one person, one family, you and I. And when we don't speak the truth, it breaks trust. And we know, don't we, that that trust takes a long time to build. And it can be easily broken. And broken trust is not good for us. It's not good in our families. It's not good in our friendships. It's not good in our places of work. And it's not good in the church. We are to be committed to speaking truthfully, to honesty and to integrity in what we say. So take off lying and put on truth-telling. Secondly, we are to take off bitterness and put on peace. Um, Look with me at uh, verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. It's interesting, that verse, isn't it? That it says, in your anger, do not sin. It doesn't there say, never be angry or never feel anger. But in your anger, do not sin. Jesus got angry. Jesus was angry with the temple um, traders for desecrating the holy place of God. Jesus was angry with the religious leaders for making it complicated and hard for people to find God. He was angry with them for their lack of compassion for those who were suffering. There is such a thing as righteous anger. And there are many things in our world today that cause us to feel angry. 
injustice and inequality. And it may be that you have a particular issue or people on your heart that God has given you a righteous concern for. We must never lose that sense of righteous anger in the church or we will lose our prophetic voice in society today. But the question for us here is how do we handle our anger? In your anger, do not sin, Paul says. There is a way of handling anger that is, leads to sinfulness and a way that doesn't. And Paul is saying, do not let anger lead you to unkindness, to shouting or to rage, to some of those other characteristics Paul lists in this passage, to speaking ill of one another, to spreading rumors, to gossip. Instead, keep short accounts. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Be quick to offer one another forgiveness and to receive it ourselves and to ask for it when we need to. But again, why does this matter? Why is Paul talking about how we handle um, feelings of anger? And I want to to flip back to what Jenny talked about last week, um, and particularly back to um, Ephesians 3, um, verse 10, one of my favorite verses in the whole of Scripture. Paul writes, God's wisdom is declared in the heavenly realms. How is it declared? How is the heavenly realms notified that God is wise? It's through the unity of the church. It is through unlikely people coming together and loving one another and serving one another and worshipping God. So then, what's the one thing that would make the devil happy? What's the one thing that he would want to seek is to destroy that unity is to disrupt that picture that says to the world and says to the heavenly authorities, God is good, God is wise. We mar the witness God has called us to be, sometimes in our own attitudes. And I know that it's something that I do. And I know that it's something that we all can struggle with. We are to take off bitterness and to clothe ourselves with peace, the peace that God brings and gives to us. Thirdly, we are to take off cheating and to put on honesty. It's a challenging passage, this, isn't it? There's a lot in here for us to get our heads around. I think stealing is an interesting one because it's kind of easy to probably for most of us to kind of look at that and go, well, you know, I've, I've, never, I've never taken anything um, that isn't mine. I remember once going um, shopping with uh, Gavin, my husband. Um, um, Jacob, our now 18-year-old, was one at the time and, and in the buggy. And we were going through HMV and Gavin left the store and the alarm started going off. And he was oblivious to this and carried on walking. And the security guard chases after him. And, and Gavin sort of looks at him, I haven't taken anything. And then the security guard 
looks and, and Gavin looks at the little baby in the buggy who's got a fistful of CDs um, that he has obviously grabbed on the way out. Um, I think Gavin was particularly disappointed because it was Atomic Kitten and Mariah Carey, which if you know anything about my husband, you know that is not his music of choice. Um, Proverbs 11 says, The Lord hates cheating and delights in honesty. And I wonder with some of these um, things that Paul is telling us to do, whether we need to stop looking at kind of the big things that other people might do and think about, well, where do we fall into those patterns ourselves? Where are we less than honest in our lives? Maybe a little bit of um, selective writing on our tax return. Maybe taking advantage of those um, who work for us. Do you know most sick days are taken on a Friday and on a Monday? Is that a coincidence? The most common theft in the workplace is time. Working from home makes that temptation oh so much bigger. Illegally downloading things that we shouldn't. The command here is to put off stealing and cheating. And instead to work hard, to do something useful. Now this is not a stick to beat those who are unable to work for whatever reason. But it's a challenge against laziness and apathy in our lives. It reminds us that our work is not just an individualistic pursuit to gain us as much money as we can. But actually, it's for others. What does Paul says? Work hard so that you may have something to give those in need. And I know what a generous church um, this is, and we've seen that, I think, through the last 80 months, the way people have given to one another in times of need. And lastly, take off slander and put on kindness. Paul lastly talks about our speech and the way we use our mouths. And speech is an amazing gift. It is something that's unique to us as human beings. It's something of what it is to be made in the likeness of the God who speaks um, and whose words have an effect. They bring creation into life. And our words have an effect on people. One of the worst um, little rhymes you hear as a child is, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's rubbish. I'm sure many of us can remember things that were said to us in childhood or earlier in our life that have hurt us deeply. Words shape us and impact us. And the words we say also can shape and impact others. So how are we to use this precious gift, this privilege of words? Paul says, put off unwholesome talk. Get rid of bitterness, slander and rage. Don't argue with one another. Don't speak ill behind one another's backs. Instead, he says, encourage one another. There are many things um, that I didn't miss about my morning commute during COVID when I worked from home for the best part of a year. But the one thing I did miss was the platform announcer on the district line of the Victoria Station. I don't know whether you have heard him, bright and early on a Monday morning. Um, and he says, good morning, everybody. You are looking beautiful today. And I always assume he's talking to me. 
give him a little thumbs up and he says, you have a great day. And I have to say, on a Monday morning, when I'm feeling a little low, it lifts my spirits. A good word of encouragement builds one another up. Kindness and compassion, love for one another, builds us up, builds us up individually, but builds us up as the body. And there in the midst of all this talk about how we use our words... Um, comes that challenge again, Um, that reason for our behaviour. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. There is a way of behaving towards one another that grieves the Spirit, that hurts the Spirit that is to be the bond of peace amongst us. There is a spiritual dimension to our relationships as well as a physical one a horizontal dimension as well as a vertical one. Paul encourages us to put on new clothes of kindness, to forgive one another. And forgiveness is hard, and it does not come easily. And it is one that we need God's strength and God's love to give us. This week, I had the privilege of spending some time in a a London prison with the chaplaincy team. I was able to go round and meet some of the the prisoners um, who were there. And in particular, I met one young guy who, it was his last day in prison, and he was leaving the next day. And he had encountered Christ in prison, and he had met the Lord, and he said, I don't want to come back here again. I want to be different. And when I get out tomorrow, I'm going to join a church and I'm going to make some new friends and I'm going to live my life differently. It was such a moving experience of being with um, him and others. And when he leaves, well, he'll have left by now, he'll he'll leave behind the the prison uniform, the grey sort of monochrome uniform of his imprisonment and he'll be able to put on his new clothes clothes for his new life we each have that choice as we step out into the freedom that Christ gives us which clothes are we going to wear are we going to wear the ones that drag us back into old patterns and old habits the ones that sometimes to be honest feel comfortable and familiar? Or are we going to step into God's new clothes and say, give me your spirit that I can be clothed afresh. Clothe me with your compassion. Clothe me with your kindness. Clothe me with your peace and your love. Let me pray. Father, would you clothe us with your compassion would you clothe us with your kindness we repent of where we have got it wrong would you help us to take off the old and put on the new for Jesus sake Amen